grief is like poop. You have to let it out. My experience has taught me that grief needs to be heard. And this kind of openness can be life-saving. So you lost your loved one. Very sad. But then think, that brings instead of sadness, but it brings more inner strength and determination. Welcome to the Morning Nights Podcast, hosted by me, Russ Schulks. On this show, we want to explore the complicated world of closure, loss, and grief of people who have personal and professional experience with the subject. Loss is something we all confront, and it's our mission to show the world the many ways you can face it, and that most importantly, you aren't alone. Joining me today is an old friend, Datan Dorot. Datan lost his mother to a car crash while he was in college. Our conversation focused on how Datan has carried his loss with him over the next two decades. I'm excited to share our conversation with you today. Enjoy. We're going to talk about my mother. She said, always make an entrance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Datan. Well, first of all, thank you uh, for coming. And I feel like it's a really good place to get started. You know, uh, the world of law, how do you think that's been uh, impacting the way that you kind of see the world? Everything. For example, I can parallel studying law, learning law, living, studying, you know, living where you study. I can parallel that with what you've done, in a sense. Different set of laws, different set of rules. But once you understand how they work together, you in a religious concept, me in a legal constitutional concept, suddenly you start thinking of things as their source rather than just what the message is up here. And that's why I'm very concerned about messaging. Uh, do, do you think like uh, your marriage or like even more clear, maybe the way you raise your kids is different because you're a lawyer, like from your brain is rewired? Absolutely. Like, like- because, because look, a lawyer is not, you know, a lawyer is an occupation, but I, I would look at it much like you know, a rabbi could be an occupation, but what you are is really a scholar in the field of laws provided through a certain element that you interpret, right? You as a rabbi interpret what you read one way, another way you read interpretations of other people. That the, the US legal system was based on Jewish legal theory, the Socratic method, all that. So there's a lot of parallels there. So, so when you ask me a question, does it change the way I, I think? It, it certainly does, because while it does not contradict any of my religious underpinnings, it in fact strengthens them. The Constitution is a really great document. And now when we're going through all this political stuff right now that you see on TV and everything, it just strengthens my confidence in the Constitution, because I think the broader picture will prevail. That was not the topic of today's conversation, and you'll regret asking me any more questions. Uh, well, no, no, I, I think it's really interesting because uh, when we, if I was talking to a landscaper, and I'd say, "Well, how did your landscaping impact the way?" You know, it really doesn't really get started. But I think the fact that your brain, it sounds like, is hardwired or, or rewired. Yeah, it's learned behavior, Russ. It's you're taught how to look at things from a different angle, no different from religion. You know, as a businessman, you learn profit. You know, as a, as, as a rabbi, you learn morality. As a lawyer, you learn the laws with which we live by. And they're not mutually exclusive. 
It's so interesting. So, you know, the reason I, I, I guess I asked to speak with you today is because the last podcast we did was with David Shogun, both, uh, uh, you know, our, our close, my close friend growing up, your very close friend, and I guess uh, down the block, uh, <laughs> uh, grew up together in Boca. And after our conversation, he was really uh, enamored with the idea. He said, listen, I hope this went well, but the Tan, the Tan is the right guy to speak to because the Tan has really had such a long experience of this in that, um, you know, um, his mo mother had her car accident now, how many years ago? It was like 20 years, uh, like how many years is it now? Two. So, so, oh, so 2000. February, 2002, almost 19 years. Right, almost 19 years. and. While he uh, had, I don't think his, his brother's death was more recent, like, it is obviously more recent, but it wasn't, uh, he feels like he didn't go through what he would call like such emotional changes. He kind of went through some changes in the beginning, but he's kind of been like dead set. Like here's my attitude towards my uh, brother's death and his incarceration, everything happened. But he felt that you really had some uh, leaps and bounds and changes over your life. So I'd love if you could just maybe uh, opening question on this. Kind of like, first of all, t t um, tell me what happened mm -hmm. and maybe tell me about how you kind of changed over time to start with David's uh, experience of your experience. I think it would make a little bit of sense to give a little bit of my personal background, not law, just life. Yeah, I love just it. Just context to A, my relationship with my mother and what it developed and then how that impacted. If sure. That I, yeah, please. drives with your course here. Okay, so as you know, well, you know most of this, but for the record, um, I was born in Israel. My mother was originally from New Jersey, grew up in the U.S. Uh, uh, she, she, she became a school teacher, then went to Israel for a kibbutz thing after a year of teaching. And then uh, while she was in Israel, she met my dad who lived in Ashkelon. They, uh, they married, had three children and when I was about seven years old they separated I moved with my mother and my two sisters to Ranana which is about an hour away in Israel when my parents got divorced I was the only person I knew with divorced parents so that was already like okay and I'm moving to another town whatever so I think if if, if, if we're going to discuss the, the the emotional impact of that I think I think one of the biggest factors of it is change, right? Right, an adaptation to change from a life that you've known to maybe rely on someone or love someone, whatever, and now it's change. And I think for me personally, I, I experienced a lot of relatively large change in my life from a young age. I don't say traumatic, I don't say negative, it's just change. Change is what you wanna make. I've always believed that I had a positive attitude about it, and that's probably why I think you know, I'm comfortable talking about it and 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 seeing it as a positive. But uh, so when I was seven, we moved to Ranana. I was the youngest of the three children, so my mom wanted to move back to the U.S. to be next to her family. She had no one there really, family. So under the laws of Israel, until you're age 14, the mother can't or a parent cannot remove a child from the country without the consent of a court. They're the parent in a court. But once you're 14, you can, based on the law there at the time, you can make your choice. And uh, there was no choice. Wherever I go, wherever my mom goes, I go, right? right. Um, and for me, change was exciting. I've experienced already 
once in a relatively large way. And now it's even a bigger one because now I'm immigrating to a country at age 14 where I'm leaving behind all my friends and all my relationships and all my, you know, all the things that I know as fact. And so your mom, your mom stayed there with you till you're 14? Yeah. Okay, I got my two sisters. One sister went into the military. Um, but when I moved, I moved with my mom and one of my sisters came for a year of stage uh, as a culinary chef. Uh, before going back to do the, the, the arm. Got it. But the main point here is when I moved here when I was 14, straight into high school, whatever, all alone in a sense, I had my mom. You know, so our relationship was extremely strong. And that's why I think it impacted me as much as it did, even though it might not seem that way on the surface. And did you see your father in Israel a lot when you were there? relationship but a very I don't want to say strange strange relationship but more of like he didn't know how to handle children like me even today we have our problems but now I'm an adult but 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 there was always a love and whatever it's not like I didn't have you know um but it was you know you come here new country I remember the first day of school people tell me why are you wearing your underwear I bought these baseball shorts with stretches in it. The shorts are very short. I thought it's shorts. Apparently, I was wearing boxer briefs to school. Imagine a new kid wearing boxer briefs to school. So, I mean, Israelis are known for wearing shorter shorts than Americans. So maybe that was just... Yeah. So, you know, so that's kind of just like, again, the cultural change. And I, I laugh at that as a very, like, anecdotal story because, you know, I showed up in underwear to school. Like, today, if I saw a kid show up to school, I'd say, oh, my God, he showed up to school in underwear. Right. And that was... But and that didn't gain me any favor, but I was extremely, 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 extremely lucky to meet the people in the neighborhood that I met, which you know all of them, who are most of them. Well, one of them is now my partner for over 10 years in business. Another one was my best man in my wedding. You know, another one, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, they're all kind of around. Danny, you know, he's up in Gainesville, but we're very close. I fell on a bunch of really good kids, all of which were religious, which I was. So, uh, but still, and 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 they kind of took me in and treated me nicely and developed relationships, lifelong relationships. So that was a very lucky thing. But but you know, but your main relationship was your mother while you're no, my mother was everything, every right. everything like. Both ways, like I did for her, everything she did for me. You remember me working at the porterhouse till five in the morning. My mom didn't make money. Right. You know what I mean? If I wanted something, I didn't want to ask my mom. I worked. I worked, I worked, I worked, I worked. So I don't have to, I helped her and she wouldn't take it, but whatever. But my point is like, we weren't, you know, we lived in Lago Del Mar, not in Tocaham, okay? <laughs> if you know the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so, so, so that was that. And then for college, you know, my mom really wanted me to have because she didn't have the college experience because her father had lost. Uh, it was a bad, bad business deal. And right when she was about to go to college, they couldn't afford to. So she had to go to community college. She always said to me, you know, you should go away to college, do a thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Sounds great. But I just applied to FAU because I wanted to stay close. And right. I stayed. So so I, I, I and I don't know if I would have gotten in anywhere. I remember, I just learned how to read and write. So, um, so whatever. So I went to FAU and it's funny, funny you say that maybe my life has changed because I will tell you right now, you read my resume for what it's worth. 
my freshman year GPA was a 0.83. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not written on your resume that, so. No, no, I kind of, but, but I do still have the report card and the transcripts. And, you know, so I was at the time, uh, a sophomore in college. And again, like I said, my relationship with my mother was extremely close. Like she was my number one. I was, I have two sisters, but I was her number one. It was, I mean, we were very, very, very close relationship. Um, so that kind of gives you a little bit of background and I'm, I'm kind of running you into the incident and, and, and then you can do your thing. And ask what, what year in college were you when she passed away? Second year. Second and do you, do you use the word passed away? Like what's the word that you use? It's like, use the right I, I'll be honest with you. This would be the first time I actually talked about it. Okay. Honestly, like talk, like let someone ask me whatever they want and I'll answer kind of thing. It's been very, it's been a very, it's never going to go away. You know, I mean, your experience, you were much younger. I don't know how that affected you more or less. You know what I mean? We all kind of, it's a luck of the draw when it happens, right? If you're in a good place, you're in a bad place, it can affect everything. I heard from David that, you know, he was the first person that you came to. Could you like tell me, like, how did you hear about it? So basically, just to fast forwarded forward you to that day. So at the time, I mean, I was a college student. I was concerned with two things and two things only, smoking weed and doing things that are not allowed and having um, premarital relations. Got it, got it. Um, those were two points of focus of my life because I had it good. I mean, even though I had a 0.83, I was still on scholarship. I still had Florida Bright Futures. I was cruising. Like, I didn't care. I had no real goals or, or ambitions and, I, and this is not to lead me to say that when that happened that suddenly i'm this fucking, oh, you know but yeah. but ultimately um that's where i was in my life and i was living with shogun and, and you've been there and you know if you remember the apartment in the woods uh it's the neighborhood it's not actually in the woods it's florida but um so him and i were roommates and you know I, we were probably out the night before being college kids and like early, early in the morning, I hear a friend to knock at my door. I'm like, what the, what's going on here? And I go and it's my sister and, and she's there with her husband. And when I open the door, she basically like falls and says, Imame. Oh. And and I like whoa, where's that from? You know what I mean? Like it was actually Super Bowl Sunday. It was actually Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and and I didn't. I, at first, I just stood there like processing, 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 and and it, it didn't process. And then I, I, you know, I'm listening, and then. Did she come into the house then, or yeah, we came into the house. I mean, that like the, the logistics is a bit of a blur. But I I went over to David and he's laying in bed like you know passed out. You know, we were out drinking probably the night before, and I can't even get the words out of my mouth. I'm just I don't even know how to say that. It was just like. I didn't know what to say. It was beyond 
something I could comprehend at the time. But you felt like you had to tell David right away. I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, he was there. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was my roommate. He was my best friend at the time. You know, like, we were inseparable. He was just so, obviously, he'd be the first person I would tell anyway. And right. it was just the convenience of him being there. And I remember his face. He was just, he didn't know what to say. Like, what? What? Right, and, and you probably you probably didn't even expect a response from him. You just had to tell him. No, I had to tell someone. Well, you know, same thing after I uh, do the things I'm not supposed to do premarital. You know, hey, David. <laughs> you know, it's just I'm best friend. You share everything, right? right. And, and something like that. Like, where do I turn? What do I do? And it's not like I have a lot of family here where I can, hey, you know, hey, uncle this, uh, cousin that. Nobody. It's my sister who happened to move back to, you know, move here after. The other sister, whatever, not, not really relevant. Did you like? Ha- did you right away have like questions for your sister, or it just kind of shock? No, no. It is what it is. What does it matter? That's that was my attitude. Like, who cares? Like, it's binary. It's either yes or no. Everything so I, else is window dressing. At the I, time. I'm, I'm, I'm right. walking you through the process. And it's interesting because, like, I feel that you were, like, let's be honest, you're, like, kind of an adult. You're not 12. You're not 9. I was an adult. I was immature and I was yeah, a kid. Immature, yeah. So, but here I was an adult. Like, my comprehension was there. Did you feel that, I mean, like, I don't know if you have this patriarchal sense that, like, I'm the man of the family. Did no. you feel that you had more responsibility to do things than your sister? Like, no. how did you, did you, who had to take care of things? My sister took care of things with my uncle, which was a big mistake. Uh, no, no, not in a, like in a, in a bad way. Just she's not, she was very emotional. He was very emotional. There was a falling out over stupidity, right? And that's the nature of grief. You know, you don't know how people are going to react and how they're going to interpret certain things. You feel there was a fallout over the, the death or just? No, other- over, over nothing. Emotions. When people were very, look. If there's anyone who maybe had a closer relationship with my mother is my eldest sister. Because she was older, they were like more more like best friends than mother-daughter, right? Because she's seven years older than me, so she was almost 30. And she had a husband, and I was a fucking, I was a pothead college student, you know? Like, the hell would I do with that, you know? I just said, whatever you guys need me to do, tell me. So I took the car there, and I did this ministerial job. But I did not try to take any patriarchal you said like you mentioned that you remember it's definitely when you're in shock it's hard to remember certain things you feel like that whole week was like uh spotty or do you feel like it went oh, in I, I turned off the hardest thing was seeing my grandfather because even my mother also had a very special relationship like very very he's the one with health. and he's not even her father it's 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 my grandmother's second husband after my real grandfather passed away before I was born. So to me, he was my only grandfather. And and I was worried about him because my grandmother already had Alzheimer's. In a sense, thank God she didn't have to go through this. But for him, like, he would care for my grandmother with Alzheimer's. And my mom would be come all the time, you know. She was like his good friend. When you said you, like, had to worry about him, did you ever think that you have to worry about yourself now? Like, Like, how did you kind of move, like, from your own concerns about yourself, because it's easy to always think about like, how it impacts others. Like, how did I, you- I, I didn't? I didn't give a shit. I mean, like for me, it was like okay. Uh, I spent about like after I made sure everybody's like not made sure, just 
like my grandfather's not collapsing or something. My sister's with her husband, you know, everybody's kind of like in a place. So after I kind of felt like everybody's kind of got some support in a sense, I probably shut down for like a week, like laid in my bed. No words, no nothing. I had a girlfriend at the time. She was really good. Like she was very supportive. So it allowed me to just lay in bed for a week. Just like experience. Do you remember the funeral? Yeah. And was that like, uh, I imagine the funeral was like, it took place and then you're saying you laid in bed like uh, for the week. It wasn't uh, after. It was, it was probably for the, like during the Shiva. I would go to the Shiva because again, not a religious family. My mom was married. Her husband was a great, great, great guy. But, you know, American Ashki, you know, like not, you know, we did a couple of nights of Shiva. I'd love to hear about, um, especially if your sister coming in, you, you almost had like a double shock. You had the, the shock of the news, but also the way it was told to you was shocking a little bit. So um, I'd love for you to like walk me through maybe like how that shock impacted you versus like, in your opinion, how a non-shocking situation would have impacted you. I don't think there's such a thing. Because you can watch the person suffer for months with a disease or an ailment. I mean, my line of business, I've also had a lot of time to think in general because I do a lot of estate planning. I help people plan for this. My theme always is, I don't care how much money you have, but if you had a choice between your kids getting all of your money and hating each other, or your kids getting no money and being best friends, I think we both know the answer. So let's just make sure everything goes smooth rather than profit. And that's right. kind of my philosophy in my practice. And although I told you there was the incident between my, and I'll go back to the question, but the incident between my uncle and my sister, it was a nothing, it was a miscommunication, but they were so emotionally charged that they just neither of them could deal with that while dealing with that. Um, so I, I've seen that firsthand. That one is wasn't a big incident, but I'm in like litigation with clients for years. It, it's terrible. So the actual shock itself, I don't know who suffers. You know, if, if you can like grade it, what's more, watching someone for an extended period of time and watching them deteriorate, like I did with my grandmother who had Alzheimer's. And eventually when she went, it was like, thank God, you know, like she needed to go versus now, obviously I was in the same relationship with my grandmother and my mother, but that's one way of, let's call it extreme way of experiencing versus, you know, out of nowhere, boom. So what's harder, what's easier. I think everything in life is perspective. And, and maybe I had very good perspective in a sense that I really lost like my liver. You know what I mean? Like there's a hole that will never, never be filled. And frankly, I came to terms with the fact that I don't want it to ever be filled. I want to feel something when I think about it. I want to tear up because that's my way of paying respect maybe. Does, does that play out in your daily life in any like specific way? Any conversation about my mom, I generally change the subject. Well, let me ask you, why, why do you think you change the subject? Like maybe you would feel equally good. I don't, to I don't know if it's psychologically like good, bad or whatever. And, and, and in retrospect, there's a lot of things that I wish I did differently, like proper Shiva and yurt sites and things like that from a religious. Like I feel like 
that you know in the in Judaism, I guess, in my interpretation. I'm not you, and I don't even pretend to know a lot. No, no, I'm just saying. But just my interpretation, the whole grieving process through the Jewish religion, even though it's like sit for seven days and bury right away, and da, 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 I now look at it very objectively in a sense like. Wow, it gives you a process, a healthy process to deal with everything, to get the support, to give the respect to the person who passed by memorializing them through the shiva and all of that. I see that now when I was 21 or 22, whatever. I didn't see that. I regret not having done all these religious things, but I also believe that a lot of these religious things are more meant to help the grieving than it is to help. If someone told you, you know, almost 20 years ago that this will help you psychologically, would you have done anything differently or it would just have fallen on deaf ears anyways? You couldn't, you couldn't talk. I was, I was checked out for a while. Do you think there's a way today, like, again, like I'm not saying we're trying to make you go to anywhere, but you think there's a way like almost remedy that like uh, historical grief? I'm sorry? Do you think there's like something you would be able to, like, let's imagine you want that like, I could set the reset. Like button. I need to release this pressure at some point. Yeah. Is that necessary? Or you feel like that just happens naturally now? I don't know. I don't think I ever released the pressure, but. I don't have to cry. No. <laughs> I feel like if I release it, it's kind of. Yeah. Like, if I don't feel it and I don't have it in there deep inside, if I don't get like this when I talk about it, what do I have? You know what I mean? What do I forget about? So you feel like that, that part of that grief is kind of one of the things that helps you remember her? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a scar or, or, or a limp. You know what I mean? And it's okay to have that limp because that limp, and it grounds me. It grounds me too, because when you start assessing situations throughout your life, as things occur, that scar reminds me of where I came from and the values and the things that were me. And I try to, in a sense, make her proud. You know, I'm not like looking for, this is not like a deep psychological problem. This is my way of, I guess, verbalizing something I never verbalized before, but it keeps me sharp. You know what I mean? Are you able to, I mean, I feel that it's so easy to remember the shocking memories. Are you able to remember like concretely, regularly, all the good memories? So, yes. And I have photos that help me remember and whatever, but I don't go there. And every day I teach the kids the same values I learned from my mother and I know where it came from. But I like having this here. It keeps me sharp. It keeps me like, if I have to make a moral decision, an ethical decision, I have this here. And I know this is like, you know what that is. It's like I keep her in my belly, you know? <laughs> like it's, absolutely insane that I remember within a year from her death, right? Prior to her death. You know that lake behind Shogun's house? Yeah. Right, with the bridge or whatever. There's a rock. I remember sitting on that rock just by myself, probably smoking a joint, whatever. 
when I was thinking to myself, like, I'm 21 years old, you know, and, and I remember distinctly, I'm still on my mother's insurance. I'm still on this. I'm still on that. Like, what if something ever happens to her? Oh, wow. And I started putting things in order. I don't know why. Some just out of nowhere had that thought and started thinking about it. I'm very depressed. You didn't feel the fact that your father uh, technically can be a support system or your sisters that could have, uh, I guess, augmented or helped? And your I mom. Feel like no, everybody needed more support than me. I remember having to call my sister. And I was the worst. My sister, who was in Israel, and breaking the news story. But your other sister didn't, didn't tell her you did? Yeah. Did you guys discuss that? Like how to. She, she asked if I could do it. Wow. I actually had to break horrible news to someone once. I got on the phone and I gave up and handed it to someone else because I, I, I literally, last second, couldn't even do it. And, and it's so difficult sometimes to share. Especially when you've experienced it. All right. Like you've experienced it. And I think for you, I think, you know, not, not to make this about you, it's about me. Uh, no, but you were 12, right? A very different period, your brain at that time and in the way it processed it, and my brain almost 10 years older than you when it happened. Sure. I never even considered um, the possibility of my mother passing away. I feel like, you know, if both your parents die, then all of a sudden you're in this new situation that you, you know, it's probably the more you think about it, the scary it is. And I almost like, thank God that I, that, that possibility never even crossed my brain. One thing you mentioned uh, in passing like 10 minutes ago was that it's not one of your goals to make your mom feel proud, but you know, it's something that's on your head. Yeah. Is there anything you do to either memorialize your mom or it's like you said, like, you know, you, you don't necessarily do your sites now, or I don't know if you do, but is there something that you do? Or if you don't, or something that you'd want to do? Come to the point where there's few regrets in my life. And one of those regrets is that I did give her the Jewish home. Internally, I'm whole. You know, internally, I'm whole. But I feel like there's certain things that I should do and pass on to my children because I have her right here, like I told you. That scar is there, but my kids know nothing about her. And that's something I would like to change. Have you considered uh, different ways to, like, I, I don't know if it's a good idea, but have you considered different ways to share your mother with your children to make her more part of their lives? It's 18 years and it's wrong. It's wrong. Uh, I try to, like, in positive situations and things like that. Oh, you know what my mother used to say? And but I believe that I, I pass on my mother through the way I raise my kids. The right. way I raise my kids. It's interesting. There's a person in Hollywood who uh, didn't also didn't have many memories uh, personally of his parents. So he went around collecting like stories of his uh, deceased father so that he could collect them and then hand them to his children because I think he was worried that he had such a strong impression and is such a strong part of his identity and he wasn't able, he thought it was a debacle, uh, you know, that he wasn't able to pass that on. I have emotional limitations. Right. What would you want your kids, aside from your like educational way, the way you raise your kids, what would you want your kids to know like about your mother? She raised me and I raised you like she raised me. And if you like anything about it, thank her. Sure. I'm, that's my like internal, right? 
I mean, but with my kids, look, my oldest kid is nine years old. You know, he's got the concept of death now. He understands, you know, he just buried a turtle. Uh, that's a joke. You can laugh. It's okay. You still laugh. You used to laugh. <laughs> um, no, so I don't think I've been in an opportunity to speak to them at the level I would like to speak to them about it. So now it's just like anecdotal stories and things like that. Just, but, for, but, but I think as they age and mature and I can have like deeper conversations and explain them, because I don't think I could express to a nine-year-old, at least not in a way that I believe he would fully comprehend. Right, what can a nine-year-old get? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and the closeness we have and the circumstances that led to that. I mean, he has a mom. He loves, he loves his mom. You know what I mean? But it was a different relationship. Not that this is better or worse or anything like that. I'm just saying it's, it's a different kind of a relationship. You mentioned to me uh, before this conversation that uh, you were able to, I guess, either grieve or mourn or react differently to your mother's death versus your grandfather's death. Just because you had, uh, I feel like, two really, really impactful deaths in your life that like you had such different relationships? I'll explain to you very simply. My relationship with my grandfather was as strong as with my mother. When my mother went, he became my uncle. But when he went, he was 103 years old. I did everything I wanted to do that we were capable of doing. He was over 100 years old when I said, okay, I'm done with this bullshit. You keep telling me my back hurts, my leg hurts. We're going to New York because he had 17 restaurants in New York. He was born in Brooklyn. We went to the house he grew up in. I have video. So A, I, I wasn't caught by surprise because it was a lot more natural. He kept procrastinating. I was asking him since he was like 95. He's like, ah, oh, maybe next year. I said, fuck it. I bought the tickets. We're going. And, and what that gave him, forget what it gave me and all my kids, just him. For the next two years of his life, that's all he talked about. So I felt like I gave him a gift. That makes me feel good. But with respect to the grief, the grief is the grief. It's a change. It's a loss. But when you're prepared for the loss and you anticipate it, for a person like me who's a lot more logical than spiritual, you know, the preparation gives me time to adapt before it happens, right? Not that I had to adapt or whatever, but... I already knew everything that's going on and was ready. So all I'm saying is I already had that experience before. And ever since my mother passed away, death has not scared me. Like losing people. I mean, I just accept it as a natural part of life. Here's, here's, here's something I think is worth mentioning. Because my mom died in a car accident and they were hit by a drunk driver. And... I don't remember if it was a year. I mean, that's kind of a blur. But at a certain point, I get this random call. It was the prosecutor. Uh, and she said, and I didn't know anything that's going on. I just, I shut out. <clears throat> She's like, I'm the prosecutor for the case, blah, blah, blah. And we're doing a sentencing. And would you like to come and give a, you know, a victim test? I don't know what, it, what the terminology was, but do you want to go there and, and I said, no. <laughs> I mean, how is that going to help me? How is that going to help anyone? It ain't coming back. If a guy says 10 years in jail, seven years in jail, one year in jail, doesn't go to jail, doesn't change anything for me. So you weren't actually involved or cognizant or caring about... I care. I didn't care. 
people you, feel, you never felt anger towards this person? No. Wow. Why do you think you didn't feel anger? I feel like that's like the. I think my for not wearing a seatbelt. Interesting. Right. Right. If there's risk in life and you plan, then you mitigate the risk. I'm not saying it's her fault or anything, or never said anything like that. And it's funny because she was like a Nazi about seatbelts, but because there's three other people in the car, and they're all fine. So. In your world, it's God. In my world, it's God. But certain things are beyond our control. And unless there's like, I could do something in that particular situation to make it better for anyone, what's the point of the anger? He ain't going to bring it back. If I kill him, he ain't going to get it. It's not like he did it intentionally, too. Negligently, irresponsibly. I could have been any one of my friends. Especially at that age during that period of my life. And that's why I can't be angry. I'm disappointed. I'm sad. But it's, I've, I never had anger. Never did the blame. Okay. So last question. Um, just, you know, I, I feel that. I just want to give you a chance. Like any like takeaways or like big messages that you think uh, that we should take away from like what you're telling us today? Yes. I do, actually. See, that's the problem with me. You can't just ask me a question and expect me to say, no, not really. I'm, I'm going to talk. <laughs> um, this, is, this is my biggest takeaway, and it's not just this. It's everything in life, and you study that in your you know, studies of being a rabbi. And, and I think everything's across the board, and it's just a matter of perspective. And if you can look for just one, not, not like, who I'm getting money from an inheritance. One positive thing you can take out of it, and you hang on to the one positive. For me, it made me stronger, made me independent, made me have to scrap for a, a while to earn my keep. It made me have to do things that otherwise maybe I wouldn't. Have. Maybe my mom would have given me money to help. You know what I'm saying? The point is, obviously, I'd take my mom over all that stuff any day, but the fact is. That ain't changing. So my only message for anyone, and I say this about anything in life, is if you could just find, not a positive things, but maybe a positive experience or a positive impact from it, hang on to it. Focus on it. Because none of the other shit matters. Who did it? Why it happened? When it happened? What could have been done to avoid it? It wasn't like a freak accident, like a roller coaster fell and like, okay, someone screwed up. It was I-95. It happened. So the positive impact you took from it is that you got an underlying philosophy. No, but my point is like looking at everything because I think the main key of what you're trying to do is not look at people during their grief, but their retrospect of the experience and the development of emotions and feelings and reactions and how they how that changed their life and looking at people that may have had a positive change versus a negative change and identifying what are the tools that the positive use versus the tool that the negative use. But it's still with me here, but it's also a reminder of things. It's a reminder of perspective because literally there was nothing worse you could do to me 
nothing worth anybody could do to me at that point in my life would take away my money. Nothing. Nothing. So when the worst possible thing could have happened, there's a lot of directions I could have gone. And I think it was my ability to just find the positive and hang on to the positive and focus on the positive and focus on the people around me, like my grandfather and my other family that I have left, who in the nature of our relationship were a support system. I think as disgusting as it may sound, where I sit here today, I say, wow, you know, whether it was God's plan or just happenstance, I'm very happy to be sitting here today where I am with everything in my life to the back of me. And maybe that was the blessing that had to happen in order for me to go from a 0.83 GPA to wherever you want to perceive. Because my career and the money is not where I, I find my pride my wife and my kids. And that to me is the most important part. And I feel like we have such a strong family and that's everything I wanted to take from my life. Thank you for listening to The Morning Nights Podcast. The Morning Nights Podcast is edited and produced by me, Max Hollander, and is a product of Morning Nights, a new online community where grief, closure, and death are shared, explored, and felt. We believe everyone deserves to mourn their loved ones in the way that is special and unique to them, and it's our mission to help them find it. To learn more, visit morningnights.org.